and welcome back to this edition of Way to Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you another chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. This book is the first in the Devlin O'Quinn mystery series and tells the story of Devlin's daughter, Jenny. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Devlin O'Quinn series, is available both as Kindle and paperback from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, that's j-c-b-o-d-d-e-n.com, for more information, as well as the link to my Amazon page. Now let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 116, Someone to Watch Over Me, which is chapter 16, Reactions, Jenny's Story. I was so mad I could hardly see straight. I stomped down the sidewalk as quickly as I could, trying to get away from Wagner. He was at my side, talking fast. God, Jenny, slow down. How can someone as little as you move this fast? I don't want to talk to you anymore, I whirled around to face him. You are crazy, and you're making me crazy. Well, I've had that effect on lots of women. He grinned, and I knew he was trying to make me smile again. This time it had the opposite effect. Oh, shut up! Just shut up! God, you are really pissing me off! I took off again. Hey, come on! I was just kidding. Just hear me out. Wow, it's true what they say about that redhead temper. I stopped and jabbed my finger in Wagner's face. This has nothing to do with my red hair or my temper, thank you very much. I took a deep breath, carefully set my backpack down on the sidewalk, and continued. This has to do with what you've said about Joe Halliday. He's a good person. He would never hurt anyone. I know him, and I trust him. He didn't hurt Amy. He helped her. You don't know, but I do. I was there, remember? I can't believe that you would accuse him of anything bad, let alone anything so, so vile as this. Wagner had listened patiently to all of this. Then he reached over and gently touched my arm. Okay, you don't think he did it. I was just thinking out loud. But if you say he wasn't involved, then he wasn't involved. Forget I mentioned it. Okay? I jerked my arm away, irritated that a part of me had thrilled at his touch, and started walking again, this time a little slower. Wagner fell in beside me. I forced calm into my voice. My Aunt Tilly loves Joe. I mean, she loves all her foster kids, sure, but Joe is special to her. She's seen lots of kids over the years, and she's a really good judge of character. If she thinks Joe is good, it's not because she just wants him to be. It's because he is. Okay, Joe's not our suspect, Wagner said quietly, and I had to admit that part of me was impressed that he didn't try to argue his point. Your Aunt Tilly thinks he's a great guy, so he's off the list. That still leaves us with a big question to answer. Is there anyone you can think of who makes you nervous? Someone a little bit creepy, who hangs around where you are, at the dorm, your lab, the other places you go? No, God, no. I stopped and looked up at the sky, trying to let the picture of a flock of starlings turning and wheeling as one blot out the image of Amy bleeding on the sidewalk. I'm still not completely convinced that it's all connected, or that whoever attacked Amy thought she was me. I mean... None of it makes any sense. We started walking again. It's just that I'm a cop, so I don't really believe in coincidences. And you and Amy look so much alike. 
so now what? I've got some mugshots for you to look at. You're kidding, right? No, I'm not. I still think that maybe you've seen this guy before and just didn't realize it. Wagner smiled and touched my arm again. This time I didn't pull away. Maybe you'll see something that will jump out at you from the attacker the other night. After all, if it's not Joe, it has to be someone, right? Do we have to do it at the station? No, I've got the books in my patrol car. I want you to take them to the dorm, look at them, pass them around. Maybe one of the other residents has seen someone on campus, in the lobby, wherever, acting suspicious. The more eyes we have looking for this guy, the better. We walked back to Wagner's patrol car. He drove me to the dorm and walked in with me. I showed him the newly repaired window pane, and then Wagner carried the mugshots up to my apartment. I sat down on the couch and pushed aside all the books and papers on the coffee table. I flipped, without really looking, through the photos. Wagner, you know the residents here, well, a lot of them at least, are pretty naive when it comes to this stuff. Like, well, for one thing, you wouldn't believe how often the back security doors are propped open. And I'm not just talking about if someone is toting laundry up the back stairs or something. I found them open at all hours of the day and night. Anybody could come in and no one would know. And they never lock their room doors. Like the ones with the stuff missing. They get tired of getting locked out of their room, so they stop locking their doors and then their stuff is gone. Security is not their thing. He shook his head, distressed by the resident's lack of concern. An idea began to form in my head. You know... What? Well, maybe you should come to a dorm meeting and give a talk. Huh, you think? Yeah. The residents here are all freshmen. For most of them, this is their first time living away from home. They could use a little bit about the facts of life, security-wise, I mean. And it would be better coming from you with your background and expertise than me just bitching at them all the time. I secretly also knew that Wagner himself would go pretty far in getting the resident's attention. At least to him, if not his message. What do you think? Are you available? Oh, I'm available. Just name the time and place. He nudged me with his elbow and I glanced at him. He waggled his eyebrows suggestively. I felt my cheeks redden, but ignored the flirtation and pretended irritation. I meant, are you available to do a program for the residents? When would be a good time? A program for the residents, of course. He cleared his throat. How about tomorrow night? That will give you time to get the word out. Okay, tomorrow night. How's eight? Eight's good. I'll see you then. Wagner stood and stepped toward the door. And in the meanwhile, keep looking through those books for a suspect. Oh, sure, that sounds like fun. I closed the d book and pushed it away. Fun time or not, it needs to be done, Wagner pointed at the book. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Get out of here, Wagner. I've got things to do. After he left, I paced my apartment for a few minutes and contemplated the possibility of a stalker, trying to think like my father, the cop. But I got nowhere. There was very little evidence that some mysterious person was after me, and there was absolutely no evidence that that person was Joe. Joe's Story On the night of Joe's high school graduation, his father had managed to be home for the event, and his stepmother had cooked a special dinner for the whole family. Baked chicken, mashed potatoes, peas and carrots, cornbread, and sweet tea. 
Joe was touched when he saw the spread on the dining room table before the ceremony, which was to be held in the high school gymnasium. He smiled at his stepmother. She returned the smile briefly and then turned back to the gravy on the stovetop. As the family gathered around the large meal, Joe couldn't believe his eyes. No one had ever celebrated a special day in his life this way. Even his younger brother seemed kinder to him than usual. After everyone was served, his father stood at the head of the table and raised his glass. All eyes turned expectantly towards him. Joe, tonight we're gathering in honor of your graduation from high school. You've worked hard and stuck with it, and even though you're not the best student, you're ready for the next phase of your life. Joe could feel himself blushing. These were the kindest things his father had ever said to him. He glanced across the table at his stepmother. She looked away quickly when he caught her eye. So, his father continued, I just want to say, well, Brenda and I both want to say, he looked at his wife, who nodded slightly, we wish you luck. There's some empty boxes in the carport for your stuff, and here's a card with some money in it to help you get by until you find a job. It's not much, but it's something. His father stopped and took a deep breath. We need you to be out by the end of the week. Joe felt as if he had been punched in the gut. He had not expected or planned for this. Of course, he had thought about what he would do after high school graduation, and he knew he would not be living with these people forever. Some part of him had imagined his father taking him on the road, teaching him to drive a big rig. Now here it was, graduation night, and his father wanted him out, out of the house and out of his life, with no place to live, no job, no time. He suddenly felt as if he was going to throw up. His father looked from Joe to his wife and then back to Joe. The look of shock and confusion on his oldest son's face and the guilt he felt over what he was doing angered him. He slammed his fist on the table. Damn it! I took you in when that crazy mother of yours got herself killed. I've fed you and clothed you and housed you, and now you're 19 years old and you're going to stand on your own two feet, you hear? The man looked from Joe to his wife and then to the younger boys. Joe couldn't take his eyes off the man. You hear? His father repeated weakly. Several seconds passed and no one moved. Joe and his father's eyes were locked. The older man was the first to blink. He sat down with a thud and growled at the boy closest to him. Pass the gravy. Joe sat, staring at the food on his plate, for several minutes. The others at the table began to eat. Finally, he pushed the plate away and stood up. Now it was Joe's turn for all eyes to be on him. You did take me in after Mama died, and I'm grateful for that. His voice trembled, and he paused to look from his father to his stepmother and brothers, and then swallowed hard and went on. I'm sorry you had to. Don't worry. I'll be out of here before you know it. He pushed his chair back and left the table. Later that night, after the graduation ceremony and when everyone else in the house was asleep, Joe packed his clothes and the shoebox full of Tilly's letters and left that house for the last time. He walked the ten blocks to the bus station and bought a ticket with the graduation money his father had given him. He dozed on the hard bench as he waited for the morning and his ride. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thanks for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 117, Void a Week Mystery, or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. 
Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.